2: For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. On SENSA, welcome to the Sandful Show. For Host Plus, an industry super fun for all Australians, the Host Plus Sandful League is just warming up. Feeling those game day vibes? Nothing beats
1: it. Welcome to the Sample Show on SENSA. My name is David Adams. I'm here with Andrew Hayes. G'day, Hayes. How are you, mate? G'day,
3: David. Good, thanks, mate. Uh, what a weekend of sample footy it was. We thought the first week was very, very good. This standard of the footy was even better. with some unbelievable comebacks, some nice close games, and as we've said, for the best part of I'd say four or five years, first maybe five or six rounds of the sample. That's when it starts to really sort itself out. So there's a few little upsets and we're seeing some cracking matches.
1: What we love to see is the shifts in momentum. And you said with comeback wins there, we're seeing teams put five, six goals in a row and really shift where the games are at and get run down. These rundown results at the end. Uh, Glenel getting up over Sturt, uh, South Adelaide running down Port Adelaide, massive just at the start of the season.
3: Mm. Uh, the Dogs as well coming back against the Bloods. but uh, probably yeah, the the game of the round in terms of that was maybe Sturt v Glenel. Yeah. I mean, this the Bays absolutely had Sturt on toast, uh, well and truly in control, and then to just run home off the back of a bloke who we're going to speak to a little bit later on, and that is Lee McBean who was just a superstar of the competition, three-time Ken Farmer medalist. He goes bang, 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 and all of a sudden the Bays are back in. And that is absolutely a championship-quality side who knows how to win on the big stage. They won the premiership just a couple of years ago. The other one as well is the Dogs. My Dogs name. <laughs> Your Doggies. My Dogs. Uh, we, didn't know, we probably tipped against them last week, uh, against the Bloods. This is still out of the Ponderosa, but... Bloods were very much in control. Hamish Hartley came back in, um, so they had some big ins. and the dogs found a bit, which is massive for them in their development and massive for their belief. They've got a bunch of young youngsters uh, in saying that. It was the old heads who came through. Travis Schiller, Jared Schiller were absolutely outstanding. But they were dead. They come back and get their first win of the year, and so important for sides like that to chalk up a nice early win.
1: Forward line seems to be operating quite well for centrals as well. We had Justin Hoskin and uh, Blake Lorna both putting three goals on the board for the day. So great to see that chemistry happening up forward for them this early in the season.
3: Big fan of Justin Hoskin and have been for such a long time. He's one of those blokes who I look back and say, if something could have been different, I could quite easily see him playing a whole chunk of football in the AFL. He's got X factor. Um, And sometimes your forwards are only as good as your delivery. And when you've got guys like the Schiller brothers Putting it down your throat, you're in good hands.
1: Some big bags of goals kicked on the weekend. Uh, turning my attention to, to that Port v South clash, Jeremy Finlayson, you know, he'd been left out of the AFL team for Port, put back in the twos, six goals, which is a, a fantastic return. But for South as well, Jai Menzi, 6 1.
3: He's been on fire, Jai Menzi, four in uh, round one as well. So just another one of those recruits. They know how to find them, South Adelaide. It was a 52% turnover oh, Huge in their list from last season. But the players that they got in, uh Claverino, Garthwaite, unfortunately Oscar Brownless. It looks like he's got a broken leg, but yeah. they've recruited so well. Uh Brooksby uh, unavailable because of COVID and all those types of things, but he's arguably the recruited the summer, even though he is a South Adelaide junior. They recruit really, really well. But John Menzi, he looks like he's an absolute beauty. And you mentioned uh, as well Jeremy Finlayson that's the sort of response that Ken Hinkley no would want from a key forward who uh, recruit over the summer. It was a bit random how Jeremy Finlayson found himself at Port Adelaide. Looked like he was going to be that perfect little backup ruckman uh, who could potentially kick some goals. But the first couple of games in the AFL system didn't pan out the way that they would have liked But That is the best way to say that I've found some form I'm ready to go back into the top shelf.
1: Amazing to turn it around so quickly as well, given how, I want to say, poorly he'd played in the AFL the week before. You know, the, the criticism had come for him, so to be able to go back to the sandfall and and immediately have that return, brilliant for the team.
3: Yep, uh, in that game as well. What about Bryce Gibbs? 39. 39, I suppose. <laughs> Week one, he has 14 clearances. He had another 10 clearances on the weekend. So I would launch an investigation if at the end of the year when we're watching the McGarry medal, if at least the first two rounds there's not three votes for Bryce and then three votes again in the second round. He's absolutely been on fire. It's a credit to him as well that it looks like not only has he kept up the form from last year, but he he might be even in better nick. So the question mark for blokes like this is when they come from the AFL system. This is a bloke who played over 260 games in the AFL, number one pick for Carlton, over 230 games there, all those types of things before a stint at the Crows. Do they wind down via the sample and you don't see anywhere near their best football? It's the opposite with Bryce. Yeah, And clearly it's a bloke who's still unbelievably driven. He wants to win a flag, but he also still has a lot of very, very good football to give. And he's kept himself in absolute pristine condition. It's a credit to Bryce and a credit to the sample.
1: Earlier in the week um, on SENSA breakfast yourself and Josh Jenkins actually caught up with him and a chat well worth listening to. You can search for that podcast, SENSA breakfast just sounds like a guy that's in a great place. Maybe better than we've seen him in South Australia football before, because, you know, his, his time um, at the Adelaide Crows in, in the senior team wasn't necessarily his best footy. It just seems like he's, he's hit his mark now.
3: Josh Jenkins knows him better than anyone inside the four walls of the Crows when he was there. And working in the media, we're the outside looking in. I, I haven't seen someone from my time working in the media who had more pressure on him yeah. than Bryce Gibbs when he came across. He was the massive. Prodigal son come home. Everything that he was doing was unbelievably scrutinised. And speaking to him a couple of times, and he's been pretty open about it. Mm-hmm. He's enjoying football again. I mean, it's not a full-time job. He's working in a development role down there for South Adelaide as well. So, I mean, technically he is still working in football, but it's not a professional football like it would be in the AFL. And clearly he's having fun. And the fact that at his age and what he's doing in his life, he's got a young family... Still, an unbelievably large commitment to play sample footy. It is. The fact that he wants to go around again and give us a crack means that absolutely he's enjoying his football, which is great for us because we get to see Bryce Gibbs absolutely tear it up and gee, it's fun to watch.
1: And it will also add to his post-game legacy as well to be able to come back to put down the McGarry Medal. And who knows what he can do this year? You said six votes after two rounds.
3: Mm. His old man, of course, as we know. He's just an absolute Glenelg legend. So the Sample roots are there. When you think of Gibbs, you do think of Sample and South Australian, I suppose, football royalty. Mm-hmm. And Bryce has carved out an amazing career in the AFL. And right now, I mean, he did some very good things before he even got drafted playing at the Bays. I reckon I reckon it was 2006, and I reckon he might have come third in their best and fairest as a junior before he got drafted off to Carlton. But right now, he's carving out a, a sensational post AFL career in the sample. And the way it's tracking, if I had to put some money on down right now, I'm putting money on Bryce <laughs> to win the McGarry. Not a, I'm not a betting man, yeah. but if you had to,
1: that's the way you'd be heading. The horse has bolted. Well, that was a strong round two. Let's just turn our attention to round three. Good Friday football. In fact, Five fixtures all on the one day. It is a sandful celebration.
3: It's a sample feast. Friday football. And this was a few years ago. I remember when I was playing um, and there was no footing on Good Friday, uh, which was, I remember I was sitting around. I'm not sure, I'm not the most religious man going, <laughs> going around. I'm not sure of the whole process of Easter. I'm watching your hands down. They're, they're,
1: they're yeah. together in prayer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if you ask my son, he knows exactly what it's all about. On Sunday, he gets a whole bag full of chocolate. But... Friday, yep, kicks off, of course, 110 with South Adelaide uh, playing Sturt. That's going to be down at Norlunga. Uh, and then a prospect oval, North Adelaide taking on the dogs. They're hosting there. I'm going to take my son along there as well. Beautiful. That will be his first, he's three years old. That'll be his first official game that he goes to. We've been pumping him up all week.
1: We're going to take the, the lad along to the Bays against the pros at ACH Group Stadium down in Glenelg. going to be a beautiful game.
3: Mm. Uh, The other games, the Bloods, that's going to be a tough one against Woodville West Torrens at Woodville Oval. And the other one, the traditional rivals. There's not too many rivals left in the sample, and it doesn't matter what's going on. If you go to a Norwood Port Adelaide game... That's where you're getting it. Particularly at the parade, the Norwood supporters don't forget. If they can (laughs) smell blood, and if they're sitting there saying, I don't care if... There's three listed players playing for Port Adelaide and the rest is made up of kids who are aged between six and nine. A win for Norwood over Port Adelaide is still significant and they love it. And the supporters, geez, they're vocal. Geez, they know how to give it to everyone, especially Port Adelaide players.
1: It is a ripping round of Good Friday footy coming up and a ripping full show for you as well. So coming up, we've got Elk spearhead Liam McBean. We'd like to put some attention on a past player. Who have we got today?
3: Very good friend of mine, I'll call him. I'll call him a very good friend. I'm not sure that he'd say the same about me. His work colleague, Bruce Abernethy. Channel 7 (laughs) staples. So if we're talking about traditional rivals, this is a bloke who knew all about it. Seven-time premiership player. uh, Back in the day when Port Adelaide and Norwood absolutely hated each other. In saying that, everyone hated Port Adelaide? They did. Because everyone lost to Port Adelaide. (laughs) And Ab's got some good stories
1: seven-time premiership player. What a legend. And Sturt Coach, coach of the Double Blues, Marty Mattner are going to join us as well. It is a huge Sandful show. We're here thanks to Host Plus Sandful League. Get to a game this weekend. On SENSA,
2: you're listening to The Sandful Show. The Host Plus, an industry super fun for all Australians. The Host Plus Sandful League is just warming up. Feeling those game day vibes? Nothing beats it.
1: David Adams and Andrew Hayes here for the Sandful Show. Well, Glenelg, they are one of the premier sides in the Sandful League. Once again, out to a two and zip start to 2022. And no small part due to the fact that they have a gun key forward, Hazy. Yes, uh, this man, three-time Ken Farmer medalist it has been
3: doing it for a long time and um, I think we're just lucky that uh, Liam McBean, I would say, has chosen to stay in the sample instead of potentially going back in the AFL system because it's just fun. There's nothing better on a Saturday afternoon already is just watching him kick goals down at the bay. Liam, good afternoon to you, mate. Thanks
4: very much for having me and thanks for the uh, the lovely intro. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we're just pumping you up, mate, as much as we can, but everything <laughs> I said is absolutely honest. Before we get into the game on the weekend, you must be enjoying your time at, at the bay because uh, there'd be options for you all over the place, but you keep on turning up uh, to the bay and keep on delivering.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think coming off, um, you know, coming from from Richmond and moving across here, I didn't really know what to expect uh, coming to Glenelg, but I was really immersed in the the culture of the place. And I think um, the people that I sort of met, particularly in my first year that I felt, you know, very, very invested in, um, helping the football club to you know, move into a really strong position in the samples. So um, it's been such an incredible like, incredible journey so far and it's been you know quite fruitful in terms of the success that we've had. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to you know continuing t- uh, to you know, contribute to that sort of win-loss ratio that we're sort of starting to build up and and hopefully to some more premiership success.
3: Success on and off the field. You must be proud as, I mean, since you've been there, the club has gone from strength to strength, and we're not just talking about on-field success, of course, your premiership play now, but it's really, really got itself um, off its knees. You must be proud of the progress the club has made, and you'd be a big part of that.
4: Yeah, for sure. I'm certainly proud. I think when I first moved over here, it was... um, pretty well documented that the the doors are closed to being shut and um, to be able to turn that around within sort of three years and then um, turn into a a premiership winning side and establish a really strong framework for for off-field and on-field success. I think obviously Mark Stone was a massive part of that coming across and um, helping to, I suppose, put some faith back into our leadership within the club and, um, you know, I suppose, turn the club from being potentially a little bit more or seen as a bit more of a mediocre side and, mediocre organisation to now being one of the powerhouse clubs again in the sample. So I'm really proud to have been you know, a part of, of that journey and to have contributed to, to helping that success. Um, but there are some amazing sort of unheralded people that probably don't get the kudos they deserve for, for sticking with the club during those tough times. So yeah, it's certainly a really proud position to be in now.
1: Pre-premiership, Liam. Obviously, as, as you acknowledge, the club went through a, a couple of pretty dire years. But all in all, Glenelg is a club with a storied history. And the, the, the fans, the ironed-on fans of the Bay, almost a cult following there. How much education do you have into Glenelg's history when you come across to the Sandville?
4: We're actually very lucky. We've got um, the club historian Peter Cornwall, but um, you know, for all the new players that do start at Glenelg, they get a, a tour of the facilities, they get a walkthrough of the history um, up in our president's room. There's actually a, a bit of a, a museum that sort of, um, I suppose, gives you a big walkthrough of what the club has sort of um, been previous to, you know, you setting foot inside the doors. Um, so we're very lucky. We do get some really good education on um, the club legends and sort of where the club has come to and, and sort of where the club has been beforehand. So um, I think that's a really really great part. and I think that was a massive appeal for me when I first did come over. I think just understanding the history of the footy club and um, some of the names that have you know played at Glenelg and, and how proud the history is. So, yeah, we are very lucky in that regard.
1: Did you just scope out a little bit of wall space for the Lee McBean portrait in future years?
4: <laughs> it's building. No, not quite. I think there's a. I think there's a few people that'll uh, <laughs> probably have that man built before I will. We've got some, you know, some players that have played a significant amount of years and have seen the club that, you know, go through really, really tough times. And I speak to likes of, you know, Andrew Bradley and Max Proud and uh, Chris Carr and Brad a, New, match new these types, sort of seen the club when it was on its knees and um, have seen it all the way through now to the point where you know, we are, we are in you know, quite a powerful position. So I think those guys probably deserve um, a little bit more recognition and credit than perhaps what I do at this
1: stage. Hazy's got a beautiful head, though. He'd look good
3: in portrait. Oh, style. yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd make a nice statue of you, Lamb. I'll tell you what, there's not too many three-time Ken Farmer medalists, and it feels like you're nowhere near uh, done adding medals to that. Um, mate, you mentioned Matty Snow. Take us through his pre-season. Bit of a late start for the great man, but then uh, just rolls in and does what he did in the weekend.
4: Yeah, uh, look, I think it's becoming a bit more well documented that Snooki's not a massive fan of pre-season, <laughs> but um, he does look he he carries he carries a lot of um, a lot of you know uh, bumps and knocks and bruises and, and injuries throughout a season. And what you probably don't see um, outside of the playing days is um, the preparation that you know for him to actually get himself ready to play a game is can be pretty intense. And you know, particularly last year during the final series, he was carrying some pretty significant um, you know trauma and injuries that, that he'd sustained through the back half of the season, but. Um, In typical snook fashion, there's just no complaints, and he just gets on with the job. And, um, you know, late start the preseason, but he keeps himself in really good shape, um, comes back, and then, you know, obviously has a game like he did on the weekend. So we know what we're going to get from Matt every single week. Um, He's one of those real strong, contested players, and um, he's such an important, you know, person for us within the football club. So, yeah, we're very, very lucky to have him. And um, obviously, leading into probably a good segue, he's playing his 150th game this weekend. So, um, you know, such a a credit to him for being able to keep himself in shape and, and get to that mark. Um, and hopefully he gets more success.
3: Absolutely. He's been an absolute stalwart of the competition for a long time now. Uh, he's one of many premiership players that you've still got on your list right now. What's it been like trying to keep that bunch together from 2019?
4: Yeah, look, I think it's it's always going to be harder. I mean, as it's as been you know, said as well, the salary cap has obviously been decreased, which means that the lure to go and play out in you know, your country for your leagues and whatnot for some players is going to be pretty strong, and we understand that. That's just the way it is, but we've been really lucky. We've We've been able to keep the core group and the core nucleus together for the last few years, and um, you know the last few years. Are, uh, you know, I guess we have lost some players as part of that, but um, you know there's still guys that have been there since um, you know for sort of 10 to 12 years that are there to drive the standards and keep the keep those standards really really high for us. So I guess you know with experience and losing experience comes an opportunity to to I suppose lead some new youth, and we've been able to do that this year, and I think. The position we're at at the moment is, is due to some of that, I guess, that youthful exuberance that we've been able to, being able to inject into the side. So, um, yeah, look, I think we've we've been able to keep everyone relatively together, but you know, there's opportunities that do pop up now for our young players.
1: We're chatting to three-time Ken Farmer medalist, Glenelg Tigers spearhead Liam McBean. Let's talk about the start to the year, Liam. Uh, two wins on the table already. 15-point uh, win in round one over Norwood. That scoreline probably flatters the red legs a little bit. They kicked the last three of the game. This weekend just passed against the Double Blues. You guys came home with a wet sail, kicked five of the last six to steal the win is, is it great to, to know that you guys have that in the tank, to be able to pull it out when things are looking a little bit dire on field?
4: Yeah, look, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse in a way. I think um, with the first two games, we've played some really uh, strong football in patches, but we've also played some patches of footy where we've le- leaked a few goals and haven't been able to stem momentum. So, um, yeah, look, it's double-edged sword. I think we, we enjoy the fact that I think in moments of chaos that the group can stay relatively calm. I think third piled on about seven or eight goals in a row against us on the weekend. And we were still able to... There's still that belief retained within the group that we weren't out of the game. And I'm really, um, really proud that we were able to do that. And I was really proud after the game that we were able to, to stick at the task. And we made a few adjustments that were enabled that to happen. So we're just trying to find, um, I guess, consistency like every club is at the moment in, in terms of our, our good and our bad not being so far apart. Um, but yeah, look, I certainly... Um, it is very exciting that we are able, able to, to sort of be within in striking distance at all times, and I think that makes us a really formidable opponent to play against.
3: Mate, Good Friday football and this weekend against the Crows. Um, how does that sit with you, playing on Good Friday?
4: I love playing on Good Friday. It's it's good fun. I think, um, you know, we always seem to get a really good turnout at the Bay from all the Bay supporters that roll in, and um, I think Adelaide are going to be a really strong opponent as well. Obviously, they're 2 O at the moment. and knocked off some, some really strong sides, so... Um, yeah, we, we're really, really set for the challenge, I think. It's a good opportunity to showcase the sample uh, on a weekend when a lot of other local competitions are probably not going to be playing. So, um, for me personally, it's exciting to get my family over from Melbourne to come over and see the game and um, I think there'll be, yeah, I think it'll be a pretty good turnout. So looking forward to playing at four ten, 10 and um, hopefully we can continue our momentum that we built this season.
1: Really, it's going to be, a, in my mind, a battle of the forward lines. Yourself and uh, Lockie Hosey and, and for the Crows as well, you've got Riley Thilthorpe, Matty Wright, uh, Shane McAdam, all in great form as well. Do you reckon you can get it done?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got such strong belief in our group that we can knock off you know, anyone on any day. Um, and I think that's the, the belief that we've built over the last few years that I think we go into every game expecting that you know, if we turn up and we you know, give that sort of 100% effort and we play to our our strengths, that really we should be in any game. So um, Adelaide looking like a really strong opponent, like you touched on, they've got a great forward line. Um, they've got a, a really you know young, but um, you know also a really uh, good young back line, which I think will challenge us as well. But you're probably right. I think as long as we can win the midfield battle, um, it'll definitely be... a you know, a case of whether our forwards can beat their backs and, and vice versa. So, um, I'm really looking forward to the challenge, and um, hopefully we can come away and, and sort of be three and three and zero.
3: But before we let you go, what are you up to away from footy?
4: Uh, so, yeah, at the moment I'm working uh, in recruitment. So I work in IT recruitment at a company called EGM. Um, I've been there for two years now. So um, it's a really nice balance. I get, you know, afforded a fair bit of uh, flexibility with, with footy and. Um, enjoy that kind of work-life balance. So, um, yeah, I guess for me, I'm I'm really happy at the moment with what I've what I've got to, to work with from, from a working football and, and sort of outside of that perspective. So, um, yeah, just that's sort of keeping me very, very busy.
1: Well, seven goals in the first two matches of 2022. The primer is being put on the walls of the Bay Hazy for that Liam McBean portrait to just go up at the end of his story career. Liam, mate, all the best for the Tigers' season ahead and uh, for Good Friday Footy.
4: Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: The Crows, they face the Glenelg Tigers at home at the Bay on Friday. You're going to hear it live on SDN Friday. Going to be a ripping match. Yeah, it's a
3: fantastic matchup, particularly as well at 410. So that's twilight footy on Friday. And obviously you'd responsibly have a couple of beers, but that's, (laughs) that's a spot that I'd like to be. So I'm going to take my little fella to Prospect because it's close to home. So Prospect hosting the Dogs. And it's a 210 start, so... I just sort of feel like if I went to down to the bay or somewhere like that and four <laughs> o'clock and Henry really started to settle in, yep. it'd be a bit late before he gets home to bed.
1: That'll be settling but in that's too. That's the best
3: thing about Good Friday footy is there's every time slot covered.
1: <laughs> Stick around on the Sandful Show. Coming up next, Port Adelaide legend Bruce Abernethy.
2: On SENSA, you're listening to the Sandful Show. for Host Plus, an industry super fun for all Australians. The Host Plus Sandful League is just warming up. Feeling those game day vibes? Nothing beats it.
1: Good Friday, football. That has got us excited and hazy. One of the traditional rivalries of the is of course, Port v Norwood. And we wanted to look back and get a pass play perspective on this.
3: Yeah, look at this next man. If you want to embarrass him, you just talk about all his achievements because uh, sitting there when you pump him up doesn't sit well with him. But so uh, to keep it short, SA Football Royalty, seven-time Premiership player. And Channel 7's very own. I've said that we're best mates, Bruce Abernethy. Is that fair?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, your, your idea of pumping me up is <laughs> telling me I'm doing something shit out. So that's, <laughs> that's all right. Don't worry. That must be the Andrew Hayes' way. No, no, we work together. We uh, enjoy working together. It's a good fun at Channel 7 on the weekend.
1: What, what's Hazy like behind the scenes, Abbas? Uh, if he could just show you his six-pack rig more than
0: seven or eight times a day, I reckon if you can just cut it back to three or four. The funny thing is, we had a picture taken the other day, and I'm 30 years older than him, and I still look better. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. He has Very, been dis- he has been dispelling bodily fluids at a rate of knots over the last 48 hours, so yeah, he's in his cutting phase at the moment. Yeah, a bit of uh, a bit of a uh, food poisoning
3: Abba. so I'll, um, hopefully that clear up by the weekend.
0: Oh, I can hardly wait for the weekend, and then I guarantee the shorts will be on, the t-shirt will be there, he'll get raised, there'll be a six-pack. I'm just more worried about the body clippering and waxing That just didn't happen in my day, mate
3: Oh, give us a spell Give us a spell We won't get into that Um, Abbott, traditional rivals I feel like right now at the Sample level There there, there still is a rivalry between Port Adelaide and Nord It's not quite what it used to be But you're in the prime We were saying before that um, you probably had a rivalry with everyone Because you used to beat everyone But in particular, Nord and Port Adelaide back in the day what, What was it like?
0: You we, we always had a rivalry with everyone because often you were the Premier and, of course, the Premier was the, the team that everyone wanted to knock off. But uh, the better rivalry was with the, with the clubs that gave you grief. And Norwood was you know, probably top of the tree of that, Sturk, or you No, know, They gave us grief, Central District's later years. Yeah, you know, the clubs that gave you grief, that's what the rivalry was about. Is you actually got a, you know, a contest and you got challenged. And things didn't go your own way. So uh, they're the games we love to play and Norwood always provided that.
1: One of the great things about the Sandfall is that the fans, that they're up close, it's, it's visceral. Do you remember the days of going to the parade, the away fixtures, and uh, just having the fans up in your face?
0: Oh, 100%. And I know that they struggled coming down the Port Road past the Children's yeah. Cemetery to come to Albert because... Fake cover too because, uh, you know, that's what it was about. None of this uh, political correctness stuff, none of this social media stuff, it was face-to-face, at least someone screaming at you across the boundary, you could see a face and go, I know who you are, you're not <laughs> hiding on a keyboard.
3: Abbott, can you take us through your first flag? Because you, you were a youngster back then.
0: It was uh, 1979, I was in Year 12 at uh, Woodville High School. And, uh, you yeah, know, I played my ninth game in the grand final against South Adelaide. We, uh, well, I kicked three goals for the game, so we, we kicked a bit more than that, so we won. But uh, I was pretty excited because I was just excited playing league football at 17. But due to to my parents and my knowledge that I had to actually matriculate and do I don't know what they call it now, maths one, two, physics, chemistry, and English, in about uh, in about uh, a month and a half's time, I went to school on Monday, and I was sitting in a chemistry class at two in the afternoon, and uh, the entire football team, league reserves, managers, all turned up to high school, dragged me out, dragged me on the double-decker bus. I, oh, of course, had never had a drink till then, because I wasn't 18. <laughs> and uh, they sent me home in a taxi from Port Adelaide about uh, 9 o'clock at night. I walked in, dining table had been in the same place for the last 15 years, walked straight into it. <laughs> Just said to my mum, I'll see you in the morning. Thanks. And uh, the school, she said, the school rang to tell us what happened. Now you imagine that today. Imagine uh, a, a football team running around a high school, trying to find
3: a one person. <laughs> yeah. Things a little bit different back then, and we're happy that they were different back then, so we get to hear stories like that. Um, mate, some of the Noor players that you played against, who was, and we know they're obvious names, but who were your toughest battles against?
0: Oh, I love Michael Ace was just just a beautiful footballer in terms of his skills, his ability to read the game. He was a year ahead of me, um, and I, I had to stand him in one final, and, and I, you know, Jack Carroll to stand Michael Ace, he was the McGarry medalist, and you know, I, I, I love that challenge. Uh, Keith Thomas was always out there, you know, racking up touches, and and with a really damaging uh, kick forward, so you couldn't let him have that. Phil Gallagher, you'd stay away from John Wint because he'd be throwing punches left, right, centre and that's quite uh, Leave that to the older, bigger blokes in the team to look after those guys. But, uh, yeah, they, they were always great contests. And Like I say, they, you respected them. Gary McIntosh later in the year, he was that kind of player that you actually wish he was on your team yeah. because he's the kind of player you, you love to have on your side, you know, in there fighting, battling. The trouble was he was on the other team. So, uh, you know, that just made the challenge better and the contest better.
3: So what was it like off the field? Did you ever run into these guys? It's Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like you guys sort of would hang out in your own area. The Bays boys would be down, the Bay Disco with Graham Corns, et cetera. Would you guys see each other uh, at night spots, oh, for example? And absolutely. Did, did you get along?
0: Well, you have to remember this, that Port Adelaide never had a decent nightclub in the whole area. <laughs> and uh, when they got the Bay Disco and Lenny's and uh, Norwood had the Sams out there football club, so... Before Adelaide, blokes, we go. Okay, we beat you on the footy field. Let's go and have a look, see what the nightclubs are like, and uh, head on down there and have a pretty good time. And uh, yeah, we, we, we would run into him, and you know what? In the old days, and the rule of sport is, you know, stays on the field. That's 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 where it's. At. You know, you stop and have a beer. And I mean, Scotty Salisbury, and, uh, and you know, on the field, want to kill us. We want to kill him. Uh, you know, I went overseas with him in the Australian team to Ireland in '87. We saw like all we did was talk about fishing and camping, and we're like best mates. You know, so then uh, off the field. Uh, you know, respect, due respect, and uh, appreciation for each other on the field, trying to kill each other.
1: It's a Sandful show. We're speaking to pass Port Adelaide legend Bruce Abernethy, seven time Port Adelaide Premiership player. Bruce, uh, we were talking about uh, your first Premiership success, but 1980 might have been the peak of the Port Norwood rivalry because that is when. He claimed the premiership against the Red Legs. What is your recollection of that time?
0: I, I still consider the 1980 team that Port Adelaide put on the park that year, where he pretty much broke every record in terms of total score. Um, Timmy Evans kicked the most goals. Russell Ebert won his fourth McGarry medal. Um, yeah, I think there was 12 or 13 players in that team that had played every game of that year and, and every good club. And, we were just rolling through We played one game against Woodwill at uh, footy park. We had 24 goals at half-time. <laughs> I was sitting there at half. I was going, how's this going to go? But, we, we, you know, we, we were unbelievably... The team that we put on the park was probably, you know, 95% of them either played AFL or went on to play AFL. And it was just a, an elite team. But come the grand final, we faced Norwood, And they, uh, they rose to the occasion. And it was actually a, a very, very tight match. And, uh, you, know, I, I, we were and we, you know, we be behind and, you know, we will be in front, we will be behind. It was, it was close in the year, we won it. So it kept the perfect year. But, uh, gee, they, they challenged us from, uh, you know, from a team that, you know, we've been on top for all year doing everything right. And they gave us the challenge, we had to earn it.
3: So you already mentioned a couple of unbelievable players uh, just then. So if you have to mention, say, maybe two, maybe three players that you play with, who was right at the top shelf?
0: Uh, Port Adelaide was, uh, well, I'm so glad that, 150th uh, year celebrations a few years ago. They ranked players, and it was Russell by the length of the straight. As not only on the field, off the field, he taught you how to be a, a person, a man. A, you know, family was number one, and just just a great example of about hey, you play footy and you're lucky and you're gifted, but who cares? Go and help those people. Go and help those people because you can. And uh, you know, he, he, he has always said, you know, his passing last year was, uh, yeah, that, that was just unfair and uh, frustrating. Um, you talk about some of the other players in in, that, in terms of the Port Adelaide lineup. You know, Brian Canning just quiet achiever, just kept everything under control. And Tim Evans, like, you kicked a thousand goals. You know, you turned up okay. and you kicked a thousand goals at Port Adelaide. That's not a bad effort. Scott Hodges, of course, he could do everything. Um, yeah, just just and probably where I played down back, Greg Phillips, he, he made average players look good. He was a superstar. He he could do everything in terms of a defender and, uh, and bringing players into the you gra- into the game.
1: Ab, it's great that you bring up Tim Evans there because I think one of the the, the great robberies in the last couple of weeks has been that the focus on Lance Franklin and him passing that a thousand goal mark in the VFL AFL and Tim Evans' name is not on that list.
0: There's a whole lot of people who played SNFL, or, or not the SANFL, I'm still old school. or played Western Australia. You know, Barry Cable, uh, Polly Farmer. What they achieved, Stephen Michael. What they achieved over WA. You know, what players achieved here, we talk about Michael Taylor or, or you know, Russell Everett or Barry Robbin and, and players like this. Or, you know, it, it's unfair because the reality is they played in a state-based local competition, which is exactly what the VFL was back then. Yep. It was a Melbourne-based state competition. So when that grew to become the AFL, you know, it's not like we put in nine teams like they have, due to population, of course. You know, we've we got a couple, which is appropriate, the same for Western Australia. But, you know, I reckon some blokes uh, deserve a bit more... A, a, a bit more credit I think is heading in the right way but uh, I think just by sheer number it's, it's still a bit of the old BFL
3: But in terms of Russell Ebert as well am I right in saying it and did you tell me this that Russell Ebert was as good at drinking a beer as he was at kicking a football
0: <laughs> he uh, early days he was uh, spectacular at it in fact uh, we we were doing a uh, documentary and he said uh, I'm coming and when Russell says I'm coming uh, I said what are you going to do mate he said I'll drive one of the boats and he was with a good, a good mate of ours, a cameraman at Channel 7, Rob Brownie, who doesn't want to drink either. And I just warned him, when he was in the boat with Russell and we had to make a mile and get down the river a bit, if Russell started drinking, having a beer, do not try and keep up. <laughs> and he made the fatal mistake of trying, and uh, Russell got to his uh, quantity of three, of course, that's all you can have before you... Now drive the boat, and uh, uh, and Rob Brown was uh, just battling along, just just finishing off his first.
1: Hayes, do you think Abba's enjoy the tire pumping we've given him? Well, oh, I mean
3: he's not a man <laughs> who uh, really likes to get around himself, but sometimes you've got to sit there and listen, uh, Abba, because uh, what you achieved was fantastic, and. Um, I'll tell you as well, Damon, this is the type of person Abba is. We get a pizza in the newsroom. We get one of these big family-sized pizzas every single time Abba's working on the weekend just to look after the whole newsroom. Doesn't ask for anything back. It's just a a generous little thing that Abba does. And looking forward to another one on Saturday.
0: (laughs) And the beautiful thing is uh, that Haiti never offers anything back, so it's okay.
1: (laughs) Bruce Aberdathy, our past player today on on the Sandful Show. Thanks so much, Abbas. My pleasure.
2: On SENSA, you're listening to The Sandful Show. For Host Plus, an industry super fun for all Australians. The Host Plus Sandful League is just warming up. Feeling those game day vibes? Nothing beats it.
1: David Adams, Andrew Hayes for The Sandful Show. We've been spruiking good Friday football all afternoon, Hazy. It is a massive Friday coming up. And the Double Blues, they are looking to get the W against South Adelaide. The Panthers... Sturt coach, Marty Mattena, good enough to join us now. Good afternoon, Marty. How are you, mate?
5: I'm very good, guys. How are
1: you? Very good. Thanks, mate. Thanks for jumping on board this
3: morning. Uh, Before we talk about the match-up on Good Friday, the game against the Bays, uh, you had it on toast. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was an
5: interesting game. It was some real momentum swings. Um, They started really well in the first quarter and jumped us a bit. And we got... Some momentum back. I think we kicked eight goals in a row, um, and then the flip happened, and they kicked uh, a, a few in a row. And then well, we had our opportunities. I think in that last period, I think we got one goal back, um, but we couldn't get that two or three goals to get some control back in the game. And they're a good side, and um, yeah, we couldn't quite hang on at the end. And um, yeah, it was a bit frustrating. I think it was one of those games where have control of the game, but then to sort of lose that and then not be able to get it back was yeah, frustrating from both the coaching and a playing point of view. And we Reviewed it on Monday, but there were some real positives to come out of it as well.
1: What do you put the momentum swings down to, Marty? Because uh, on either side of the half, you strung eight goals together and, and looked to to really have the game in your hand.
5: Yeah, it's a combination of a few things, I think. It's the 6 6 6 is an interesting run, centre bounce. Like, as soon as you lose the centre bounce, and you get it going forward, um, it's hard to sort of stop the momentum of teams there. So there was that. I mean, Glenelg were quality side. Their midfield was, you know, they got Snoop coming in and um, their forward line is really good as well. So um, we probably just, we didn't capitalise it, I think, when we had our opportunities. I think we had the last three shots of the game and we also had a couple shots um, in the end of the third quarter and didn't capitalise on that. So... Yeah, it's just I guess a learning experience for our group, but um like I said, the second quarter and the start of the third was a real positive for us.
3: Their midfield was very good, Marty, but so was yours. James Battersby got a heap of it. And Paddy Wilson, it seems like he's pretty much back. Twenty four disposals a couple of goals. Is he back to his best or does he still have a couple of uh, gears to get to because he's coming off a pretty solid injury?
5: Um, yeah, well, I hope he's got a couple more gears and <laughs> no, I think he's um, I think he's uh yeah, he's starting to show what he can do. Um and we, we talked and we discussed about his role this year and it's probably with the midfield, hopefully you know, we've got a bit more midfield depth now um, with Lewis and Tealy and Manny Liddy as well on the weekend, um, that he can start to push forward and kick some goals and impact there as well. So, Which has been pleasing for him throughout Charles and, and the season so far that he's been able to do that um, and just add another dimension to his game.
1: Weigladel took you to task on the weekend. Was in the clearances. Uh, you, you dominated in round one against the Bloods, but uh, things were a little bit more difficult on the weekend.
5: Yeah, it was. Uh, like I said, that was. It's hard in the six 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 at centre bounce. Um, and I thought we were pretty good in the first half. Um, I think we were, you know, plus five or six at clearances in the first half. But again, yeah, it's one of those things we didn't quite get right in that third quarter and the last quarter. It can hurt you. But, um, yeah, I guess I something from our group. We had, like I said, Manny Liddy and Joel Tealy, some younger players in there, Josh Shute. Um, it's a good learning experience for these guys. And like I said we reviewed on Monday and we went through some things and um, something that they can definitely get better at and something that we need to, as a group get better at as well. And,
3: hey, Marty, in the sample, do teams do a flat-out tag anymore in the middle?
5: Um, oh, we... we Normally don't, um, but in saying that, when a bloke has 39, I think, like, gives them 10 clearances on the weekend. It's something we'll discuss at match committee on the weekend. Um, Well, sorry, on tonight. Um, but, yeah, it's something like we probably haven't done in the past as much, um, but definitely something we'll look at for this weekend because he's um, in pretty good form at the moment. I
3: was going to say, I think it's something like, what, 28 clearances in the first two rounds for uh, Bryce Gibbs. Yeah. He's just... Obviously, he reads the ball so well. He's such a natural footballer. What can you do to to stop him apart from a, a genuine tag?
5: Yeah, well, I guess that's the thing. It's either you put a genuine tag on him or you try and, I guess, as a group just be aware of him and then try and um, combat his influence on the game, but then also, I guess, play your style and then try and, I guess, as a group beat him. But, yeah, he's a very good player at the moment. Um, been watching a little division of their South of Lee Port last week and um, yeah he's he's going pretty well I think he's uh, you know he's probably another another great year in his mind for um, some boats in the McGarry as well.
1: Coach of the Double Blues Marty Matner joining us on the Sandful show ahead of their Good Friday clash against the Panthers. Uh, Bryce Gibbs obviously one of the headline acts for South but uh, Jai Menzi also in some great form kick six on the weekend what can you do to quell his influence?
5: Yeah, he's um, he's in very good form. I think kicked another you know few in the first game as well. So um, yeah, we got Rory Ilman who's been playing some really good footy as a shutdown you know small defender. So he's got his hands full this week. Um, but it's sort of like we discussed if you can stop it through the midfield, that helps the defenders been able to beat their opponents. So um, and something we've been pretty good at. Um, we probably didn't get that quite right in the second up against Glenelg, but something that yeah definitely we we sort of um, try to. I guess that defence and pressure through the midfield is really important for our group.
3: It has been a bit, it was a bit quieter on the weekend, Casey Voss, Marty, with 19 disposals, but round one against West Adelaide, he absolutely tore it up. I love the way that he's got a bit of a freedom to do or let his offensive game shine in the back line, along with Will Coomless. They're, they're two blokes who seem to read the ball really well.
5: Yeah, they are, They do. And, um, you know, Will's come a long way in the last few years he was sort of in and out of the side i reckon three or four years ago um but now the last two years i think he's really cemented his spot and become a really good defender in the competition um and then yeah casey's just um yeah i enjoy coaching casey he's um he's sort of like i've always said he's very smart footballer and he's one of these players you sort of just give him a license and give him a couple little points that you want him to do but the rest of it's just he makes up and does how he wants and He's very good at that, um, but he also very good at you know the team structure stuff and, and play to sort of the way we want to play. But yeah, very smart football and, and a great one to have on your side and, and a great one as a coach to be involved with.
1: Marty, plenty of Sturt fans they still have in their head the, the, the premierships of the twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen era. How do you feel now that you're back at the club that the uh, the the squad right now is building? Do do you feel like success is on the horizon?
5: Yeah, I do. We've had a few chats about the group that we've got currently right now and. Um, I think last year was, you know, there was a couple of things we tried to achieve last year, and that was get some games in, some younger guys, and get some belief back within the group that, you know, we are good enough to contend and hopefully play finals. Uh, We didn't quite get there last year, but this year I think the group now believe that we are good enough. Um, And it sort of showed on the weekend, I think, you know, Glenelg are going to be a very good side. I think they're going to easily finish, play finals, and I think they'll finish in the top two or three. So, um, you know, to just go down to them... um, even though it's frustrating and disappointing, there's still some positives from our group in terms of where we're going. Um, so, yeah, this week's a really big game for us. Um, you know, one and one. Hopefully we can get a win and, and um, you yeah, know, keep pressure on, the. you know, hopefully finishing playing finals and finishing that top three, which is what we want to do.
3: Marty, from your eyes, where, where's the sample at in terms of standard now? Uh, obviously, it's the biggest test that any state league could have, and that is a pandemic for the last sort of couple of years with salary cap and all those types of things. But the standard of football now, comparable to some of the other seasons where you've been coaching?
5: Uh, well, I think, it's, I think it's nearly as good. I, think, uh, I definitely think the salary cap has definitely affected uh, it a little bit. Um, it's probably more, I think, been able to get... Um, you know, some bigger names. I think there's still some good players running around, um, but probably just those extra two or three better players you can get in your team with a higher salary cap. So I think the big next step is going to be trying to get that salary cap back up higher, what that is. Um, I don't really know, but I think is, you it know, might never go back to the same, but hopefully it starts pushing back up and then um, we can start getting players, you know, better players back in the competition. And also, I guess the other part of it is retaining the players you've got as well. Um, because, you know, someone like Casey Voss, as he gets better and better, you want to guess I just pay him what his value and worth is. Um, but that's going to be other important thing, I think, is paying players what they're worth um, yeah. if they keep getting better.
1: Well, a strong Sturt is definitely a backbone of a strong Sandfall. So we're wishing you all the best for the season ahead and particularly for your Good Friday clash against the Panthers. Marty Mattner. thanks so much for joining us, mate.
5: No, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on.
1: Well, it has been a big sandful show, Hazy. And we are once again looking forward to a huge Friday of Good Friday clashes. South Adelaide v Sturt. You're going to hear it live on SEN this Friday. Uh, North v your Bulldogs. Can they get a win?
3: Oh, that's going to be very, very tough. North will come back in this one with so much more strength. They were smashed by COVID. So it lost their coach, lost a yep. bunch of players. So everyone should be available for this one. Could be a tough stress for the Dogs.
1: It is going to be a huge top-of-the-table clash. Tigers against Adelaide Crows at Glenelg. Uh, the woodville West Torrent Eagles v. The, the Bloods. And uh, finally, North v. Port Adelaide, traditional rivals.
3: That's going to be a good one. It's going to be an interesting one as well. It's probably going to depend a lot on AFL selection. Does Robbie Gray come back in? Yep. Does Alira Lee come back in? If so, and some of these guys do go straight back in, then obviously some quality players are going to have to drop back into the sample. And could that be the difference to... I suppose, give uh, Port Adelaide a bit of an edge or at least shake uh, Norwood at home, which is always going to be tough.
1: But we will pick up the pieces next week on the Sandful Show. Do what it thanks to Host Plus. The Sandful League is just warming up. Feeling those game day vibe. Nothing beats it. Hazy, catch up again next week. Good man, Damon.